Hi everyone, it's Sheila here. If you're enjoying what we do here at Potheads Who Read, we would love if you would take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite listening platform. Remember, five stars will go a long way. Josie, what if you woke up one morning when you started talking to people, they would confess their deepest, darkest secrets to you? I... I don't know. I feel like part of me would not like it at all. And then another part of me would want that information to hold against them. (laughs) (laughs) What would, what would be even worse that? And then what if you touch them, you saw their entire life of every horrible thing they ever did flash before your eyes. Mm, That's hard. I would say, I would say yours, like your question, because you saw everything. Yeah. Not just hearing, but you know everything. Yeah. Well, you it's know, a lot of power. I, it's a lot of power. A lot. Maybe too much or just enough. Mm. But that reminds me of Ig from Horns by Joe Hill. I feel like we need to say happy early Halloween. Happy early Halloween, yeah. Because this is coming, this episode will come out the beginning of October, so. Yes. And we're a little ahead of schedule, but, so, happy Halloween, which is fun. Like, we're kind of, um, we're kind of getting fallish here. Like, you're you're getting ready to go do Run Fest, and I'm thinking about Run Fest. My Run Fest isn't until beginning of October through um, basically right before Thanksgiving. So, yeah, there's a lot of, um, you know, fall. I know. Pumpkin spice latte is supposed to come out on August 27th. Oh, your birthday. birthday. I probably will not go get one. Her birthday passed. Well, I have a strict rule about pumpkin spice lattes of when I can go get my first one. And it's a rule that I have with my friends and we all go get it together. And it's like a a tradition of like, I don't know, 10 plus years now. And it's our first sweater weather day is officially fall. So that's when we go get our first pumpkin spice latte. Sometimes that's a really long time. It really is. Especially here out here. I mean, and we're, it's all in Illinois, but we're in three different places. And and, <laughs> and now, now you guys have to figure that out. Right. And now one of my friends lives in Arizona where it's never sweater weather there unless it's like December. So um, a couple of years ago, we did find the loophole of the Frappuccino. And then there have definitely been a couple years where we've had like those Indian summers where they're really, really hot well into fall, where we've just called it, where we're like, they're going to end it soon if we don't order them. So you guys (laughs) have never done, so you guys had never done the Frappuccino before? No, that that was our, like, that's what I always got that because I'm not a hot coffee drinker. 
anyway. So Pumpkin Spice yeah, Frappuccino. I had never had but, it until two years ago. I'll tell you what's really, really good. Pumpkin Spice Chai. Yes. Yes, yes. So good. Yes. So good. It's it's better than pumpkin spice latte. That chai, the spice chai. Yeah. The pumpkin spice. Mm, I like, mean, I do love perfect. me some pumpkin spice latte, so it's really hard to beat that for me. But the pumpkin spice chai is real good. Actually, my friends and I take this so seriously that, I don't know, like 10 years ago, I was in Seattle for my cousin's wedding, and... I was at the original Starbucks and it was in September and they had the pumpkin spice latte. And I was like, I'm in the original Starbucks and my drink is already out. I have to have it. And my friends were like, I cannot believe you did this. I posted about (laughs) it and I was like, look, people, if you were in my situation, you would have made the exact same decision. So I when I lived in Japan, we lived in Japan for two years. There are Starbucks in Japan, and they have different flavors in Japan that we don't get here. So, like, our usual pumpkin spice, they didn't do it. So, like, when fall came around, and I was like, I'm going to go get me a pumpkin spice latte (laughs) or frappuccino, because that's what I got. I always got that Uh from the beginning, and I was like, no, they didn't have it. So, a year later, just about a year after we moved there, my husband had a work trip to Hawaii and I tagged along and I hung out on the beach and then I found out where Starbucks was and I walked to the beach and they had a pumpkin spice latte and I I had my first pumpkin spice latte in like a a year well no I guess it'd been two years because I hadn't had one the previous yeah since I the the fall before when I still lived in the states, so it was really exciting. But there's times where I miss like some of the Japanese flavors, like they had a a cherry blossom latte. Oh wow! That's no, really good. It, it, it was kind of sweet, but not like it's not. It's kind of fruity, but it's not like cherry fruity. I don't know. Like I don't know what yeah. they do for cherry blossom, but that's that's their big thing there. You know, cherry blossoms right. in the spring. But it was just so funny because I was like. Cherry blossoms are like every once in a while. I'm like, oh, I, I miss some of their flavors. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah I, I totally like. I just remembered. I think I went and got. I got one every day that week because it was going to be another yeah. year before I had. I was able to have a pumpkin spice latte without me making one. And, and <laughs> I know it's just a syrup, but there's it something about that syrup. Yeah, like I can make a pumpkin spice like pumpkin puree and my pumpkin spices and add some sugar and then put it mm. in my coffee and it, it's yeah gives me some fiber I guess but it's just <laughs> not the same no I know that I'm also really looking forward to the apple orchard to go apple picking oh, yeah. there's a really cute orchard that we go to county line orchard I have gone the last couple of years with a couple of friends from work and um they have speaking of pumpkin they have the best old-fashioned pumpkin donuts they have the best apple donuts they have this homemade like cherry lemonade they have homemade ciders they have a whole line of like all these different condiments and salsas and all this different stuff that I like to stock up for the year. Like I love, they have like, I love spicy and I love honey mustard and they have a jalapeno honey mustard that mm-hmm. I get like every year, which I'm like, my jar is almost gone. So I'm, I'm definitely going to have to go back and get more, awesome. but 
Yeah. I'm rather, I'm looking forward to uh, like hay rides and pumpkins, like pumpkin patches with my son. Like that that's like, you know, his kind of fun thing. Yeah. Is, you know, going to the farm and we only normally we only just go to the farm and then do all the fun things that they do and then we'll pick one pumpkin. But last year the place that we went, like if you bought a hayride ticket, mm-hmm. everybody got a um a pumpkin. So we so like five dollars we got hayride plus pumpkin. So we you know, so so okay, fifteen dollars we all got a pumpkin and, and the the fun of the hayride. So you know, family. That's actually it's really good. Everything. It's not bad. It's not bad. No. I, I'm not gonna complain. So that's what we did last year. But we didn't have a lot of options for pumpkin patches last year or farms because so many of the farms in the area had significant damage or lost everything that they were growing because of Hurricane Florence. So we're kind of hoping that hurricane season is kind of non-existent for North Carolina because we're still trying to dig out of Florence. I mean, it, it just... It brutalized us last year, and I feel like we're finally kind of, like, coming up and going, okay, we can breathe. Things are kind of getting done. They're getting done a little bit better. But you still see the – we're still seeing a lot of the aftermath and the um, effects of Hurricane Florence in the community. So, Yeah. Yeah. So, wait. Oh, we're going to do your – you're sorry. We're – we have to do the Harry Potter fact really fast. Sorry, I was excited to talk about the book. I know. I'm really excited to talk about the book, too. But we also got to keep this very pothead related. A little bit. This is actually going to be a really quick fact, people. I found this off of Pinterest. It's off of... I'm, I'm going to totally get this wrong. Imgur.com. I-M-G-U-R.com. But this is from Order of the Phoenix, which is a favorite of ours. Our favorite book. Yeah. Um... The veil in Order of the Phoenix at the Ministry is the barrier between the land of the living and the land of the dead. When a living person approaches it, the souls recognize the loved one nearby and attempt to communicate. Dun, dun, dun. I feel like this, we do always try, we do try to be conscious of the Harry Potter facts that yeah. we into. So I feel that you people will maybe find this relatable to... What book, Sheila? Horns by Joe Hill. Yes. And if you don't know anything about Joe Hill, he writes um, scary type books. (laughs) Dark and twisty type books. But his dad is another famous author who writes kind of scary books. Dark and twisty books. Dark and twisty books. (laughs) Stephen King. So um, he gets it from somewhere. Yeah. For sure. For For sure. sure. Um, but he does it well. He he learned the craft really well from his father, if that's where he learned it, and or maybe dad just encouraged it. So I picked this book one because this is going to be our October book to release, and I was like, let's do something spooky, 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 spooky. And so I chose Horns. I read this five six years ago. And um, I really enjoyed it. And it is also a movie with Daniel Radcliffe. Yes. 
So I think that's kind of fun that, you know, we can tie in Daniel, that, you know, Harry Potter, yeah. the original Harry Potter. Um, and I think we're going to try um, for a, a pop-up-ish episode. Uh, we're going to watch the movie. And I think we're we're going to see if we can wrangle Andy into watching the movie with us. And yeah. then we'll have a talk about it. Yes. So I think that'll be fun. We'll, we'll have a coffee talk about yeah. horns one uh yeah so this this was the book i chose i really enjoyed it i we should say this has some uh things that might trigger yeah trigger warnings definitely um there's it's kind of like a murder mystery creepy dark and twisted story Um, yeah so there's there is murder there's rape there's just some just really crude inappropriate talk towards women and how women are viewed and treated by some people and really even like towards men too oh yeah for sure yeah I mean that definitely goes both ways you definitely are dealing with a sociopath yeah you're definitely dealing with um some religious beliefs and people questioning religious yeah. beliefs. Yeah, there's like definitely discussion. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion in this book and it honestly just kind of like starts off heavy and it just goes Keeps getting heavier. <laughs> and you're just like, "Oh, okay." Right. <laughs> yeah, so there is there's definitely a possibility of some trigger warnings in this episode and there's definitely trigger warnings for this book. If you're going, if you're considering reading it or want to kind of go down that path just to kind of be warned about it. Yeah. I guess, is it time to read the, uh... Yeah, read, okay. read, read the synopsis. So, Marion Williams is dead, slaughtered under inexplicable circumstances, leaving her beloved boyfriend, Ignatius Parrish, as the only suspect. On the first anniversary of Marion's murder, Ig spends the night drunk and doing awful things. Then he wakes the next morning. He has a thunderous hangover and horns growing from his temples. Ig possesses a terrible new power to go with his terrible new look. A Maccabee gift he intends to use to find the monster who killed his one true love. Being good and praying for the best got him nowhere. Now it's time for revenge. It's time the devil had his due. Boom. All right. So a quick 30-second plot line after that. 30-second-ish. Okay, I'm going to... I have not rehearsed this, so this is going to be the best it can possibly be. It might be rough, guys. Yeah. But good luck. Um... This book has, I think, four or five different parts to it. Each part, you get a different point of view of the events leading up to Marin's death. And you get, um, you are introduced right away to Iggy um, discovering his horns, where these horns make people tell him everything, their darkest secrets. And he, as he discovers the use of his horns, he ends up finding really hot, horrible things about what people think about him he's the main murder suspect in Marin's death he knows he's innocent and it goes through actually 
the book actually, even though it covers like a decade or more, the actual events take place over two days. And you find out Ig's journey of finding out how his brother ties into everything, how Marin herself ties into everything, and how his best friend Lee ties into everything. And you find out who the killer is. So who is it? Terry, Lee, or Ig himself? Mm. You'll have to read to find out. Read it to find out. That plot line didn't go into anything. So let's really dive into this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I think it, 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 it might have intrigued people if they haven't yeah, read it. I mean, I hope. I hope you're intrigued. Um, okay, so I'm going to start this conversation off. Because Sheila Wait. suggested this book. Yeah, I suggested. What? So, what did you think? What was? It, is, are you going to say your first, your initial? This is going to be my initial impression. Okay. Sheila, people, Sheila has been trying to get me to read this book for five since six years. She read it. She finished this book and was like, "Have you heard of Joe Hill? You need to read him." Mm-hmm. You need to read Horns. You have mm-hmm. to read this. And then the movie came out. And you were like, hey, did you ever read Horns? Daniel Radcliffe is in the movie. (laughs) You need to read this book. (laughs) And then Sheila and I last last year, like last summer, last fall, we really started talking more. I mean, like two years ago, really, Sheila and I were joking around like, we should start a podcast. What would it be about? Books. Yeah, okay. And then we really started talking about it, like, at the end of last summer. Like, I, we've been thinking about this a lot. We really should do this. Let's go. Who wants to go on a crazy journey with us? Of course, each other. And we came up with a list. Honestly, before we even started what we would do we knew it had to be about books we knew we wanted to be like a book club setting we wrote a list of about 10 to 15 books that we would want each other to read right or we would want ourselves to read Mm -hmm. and some of the lists I felt like crossed over where it was like oh I did read that and you had read it and we're like yeah it's good and it was books that we would want to discuss this book was on Sheila's list totally on my list there's another one, too. I'm yeah. I'm going to get her to read it. I know. And I have some on my list for Sheila, too. And when we were talking about what books we were going to do for this fall, I was like, when I picked the frame up, it was like, let's just do something fun that we don't have to think too heavily about. Yeah. And then Sheila was like, oh, I got October. I know exactly what I'm doing. If I don't do a different book, I know exactly the book I'm doing. <laughs> and I knew it was going to be horns. horns. Yeah. Okay. With the explanation of what Sheila has been trying to get me to do with this book for the last six years. And I did download a sample of it. And I remember reading the first chapter. And I was like, okay, I could read this. Yeah, yeah. And I never downloaded the rest of the book. I never finished the (laughs) sample. And I was like, okay, fine. Yeah, I'll totally read this one day. So... I started reading this book. My first impression, honestly, was like about halfway through the book, I was like, I noticed I wasn't taking notes. Mm. I wasn't, because normally I really do enjoy the books that we read right. for this, but 
I'm conscious enough to be like, oh, that's a really good quote. Right. Oh, I want to say this part. Ooh, I want to mention this. I didn't do that for this book. My list of notes that I normally have was me being like, oh, I should sit down and read more of this book. And I was like, I don't think I've taken any notes. Maybe I should, like, do come up with a couple talking points. And then about halfway through the book, I was like, what is Sheila making me read? This is nuts. And I know I'm dark and twisty. <laughs> Sheila's way more dark and twisty than I think I even knew. And then I was like, I had a conversation with one of my friends and I was like, what would you do if you had the power of these horns? And we had like an open conversation about like, man, that would be kind of intense. And I think part of me would want that power. And then I feel like part of me would like give over to it. Like Ig kind of like just surrenders and gives over to it. And then there's part of me that's like, I'm confident and I have enough self-confident myself and I don't think I even want to know what bad, like what people think about me. I don't want to know the worst that I, like, I already think the worst about myself. I don't want to hear what other people have to to say about me. Yeah. Because when he's not touching somebody, they're just saying things to him about initial acts that they want to do and initial feelings about him. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I want to know your deep, like twisty dark secrets because this might be useful right but I don't want to hear what you have to say about me and then like the power of touch is like you hear you see everything flash like literally flash through his mind of like every evil deed that these people did right and I was like man I don't know if I would want that well and he but people forget like whatever they told him yeah they they totally forgot once they stopped looking at him he did not forget Egg they remembered. The egg people. remembered, but they did not. So I think it, I mean, I think it goes back to that whole thing, like that Spider-Man thing of like, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, sure. But then I got to the part, it was the last section mm-hmm. and it was the section past the fixer. And by this point, you already find out about Lee you're already like okay and then you see Lee's point of view of everything and you're like this disgusting human being Mm -hmm. and it's totally like the wolf in sheep's clothing and all of this different stuff and I got to like honestly where I really think the heart of the story really ends up coming out and I was already enjoying the book. I was very engrossed in the book. I wasn't taking notes. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't thinking of other stuff. I was just reading the book. And I was just like, oh, shit. Right. Like, damn. Right. And they're like you have this thought and you have this whole idea of like Ig and Marin's relationship and you have it idealized. And like, we've talked about this several times, like how much, like I'm a hopeless romantic and I always want the best for like love and blah, blah. And right. it's like, you're like, no, Ig and Marin really had this like true love. And, then, and there's this point where you're like, oh my gosh, they didn't. And then you're like, oh no, they did. They did. And I, 
should have read this five or six years ago. <laughs> well, but, I'm so glad you finally found say, the time to read it with me this time. Yes. But <laughs> I will also say that where my headspace was at five or six years ago, I don't think I would have been able to read this book. Right. It was a hard time. Just because, yeah, like I was just going through some personal things and I am very much a believer in maybe not every book, but certain books. I feel like you read them when you're like meant to read them. Yeah. Everybody has that book where they're like, Oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And then they finally read it and they're like, why didn't I read this book sooner? Right. And if I would have read this book five or six years ago, I don't think I would have had the same reaction yeah. to it that I had. And I don't think I would have sympathized with Ig as much. I don't think I would have sympath even honestly like sympathized with Marin as much. Yeah. Um, but I actually I my first impression, I I really, really enjoyed it and I was very happy with with how the book ended. How I was all tied very together. happy with how it all tied together. Um, like, there was one point of me where I was like, why was the fixer section so long? I didn't need to <laughs> read about Lee that much. But then once it all, like, concluded and finished, I was like, no, you need that side you of it. Need you that, need that, yeah. see that. Um, so I just felt like it was put together very, very well. And then it... Sheila and I, like she already said, we have already talked about, like, maybe doing a bonus episode with the movie. But I am really intrigued to kind of see um, see the movie, whether, yeah. we do, whether we do a bonus or not. I want to watch it just to For kind sure. of see what they took from the book, what they left out, and how they worked it out. And to kind of see... I love it when people break out from their stereotypical character. Um, yeah. One of my favorite Daniel Radcliffe movies is, I think it's called The Swiss, Swiss, Swiss Army Man. Swiss Army Man, yeah. And he plays, like, this corpse, corpse. keeps somebody stranded on an island company. And I, it's so, like, kind of twisty, but it's, like, seeing him in that role, like, it's so brilliant that right. I'm, like, I really am intrigued to see what he does with Ig's character. Right. Um, and, I mean, there's there's so many characters in here that you want to sympathize with. Glenna, yeah. like, as grossed out as you are by her, like, you're just, like, you sympathize with her so much at the same time. And, like... But she's such a good person. Right. I mean, she she's had a hard upbringing. Mm-hmm. Not a great life. She's a little overweight. Not, I mean, not horribly overweight, but no. she's they 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 basically you know they kind of called her chubby. Yeah. And but she she has this like heart of gold. She's a product of her environment. Yeah. In every sense of the way, except for how much she cares for people and right. how much she's willing to give of herself to make somebody else happy. To help other people or to make other people happy. Yeah. She and uh, Yeah. I mean, there's just so much about her character. Right. That I think goes, like, it makes you sympathetic towards her. For sure. Situation. And I think there's even definitely a point where Ig is like that as well, where yeah. he... 
he didn't realize what he had yeah he sees her as one thing and then like definitely ends up developing like a different thought about her by by the end and some feeling i think some feelings yeah towards her towards the end he's like he has some feelings like he cared not maybe that he it's not that he didn't care about her in the beginning it's just he was so caught up in his grief of Marin that he he was kind of blinded by what was going on and then when he got the horns and and whatnot that's when he like like the veil of his grief was kind of lifted from him yeah a little bit and he could see like and know what she thought I think yeah it's a good way to because she never really said the horrible mean things to him I mean, there were a few people that never said horrible things to yeah them. Because she never was, she never was like, you make me sick, I hate you, like, you murdered that girl, I know you did it, I lied about you, I did all this stuff. The stuff that she said about him was, you, it was, I feel like it was just more like, this is how you make me feel, like, like, I can't stand to be around you because of how you make me feel, and, I mean, the opening scene of the book is him. And her talking, essentially. Him and her talking. After he went in the bathroom, he walks out, and she's eating a donut. And she's just like, I want to eat all of this so I get fatter, so you actually just leave me. Yeah. I think she knew she would never be able to leave him, one, and two, like, she really did ha- end up having feelings for him, but right. she knew she could never compete with Marin in his past and she was just like I want I'm doing this to make you leave me because she knew she could never leave him and yeah like looking back on it she really never did I mean even his family his parents his grandmother his brother was also what someone that never said the like his brother confessed to him but it wasn't he a never confession about because like, his brother truly loved him. I think yeah. when they truly loved them, the that's when the bad things, n- nothing bad was said. It was just a confession of yeah. what kind of what they feel or what's kind of going on in their life. Yeah, and with Glenna, it was like Ig had to go back after he had this whole experience. He went out to the foundry and like lived outside basically for one right. night. And then he went back to his apartment, uh, his and Glenna's apartment, and he looked around and he was like, this is how I let her live for the last year. And I think he just felt ashamed because he realized how great she actually was and what she did. And he took advantage of her. And then everything came like he was like you said, he was so overtaken by grief that it all came back to him, like, them sitting on the couch and her wanting to, like, just spend the night with him watching a movie, and he's like, Marin this, Marin that, and then she would be like, oh, I want us to get new pots and pans and new plates, and he just looked around, and he's like, I couldn't even buy her plates. Right. Like, I couldn't buy her dishes. There was nothing, like, they had lived together for almost a year. Yeah. And she had never really met his family. She had never... Like, they didn't have anything to show that they had been any type of, like, couple relationship relationship for their time. And it made him be like, oh, my gosh, I really used her. Yeah. 
And so I guess maybe we should talk about a little bit, not a lot, just touch on it. So Glenn is from a, she still live, I think they said she did live in a trailer park. Yeah. So she lived in a trailer park, didn't have a lot of money growing up. She's a hairdresser now, doing fine on her own. Ig is from a very well-off family. Yeah. Dad is a famous jazz musician and brother is also a famous musician who has a TV show, like a reality type TV yeah, show. A, yeah, it's like a popular, like, late night show almost. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like, you know, Ig is from the same type of life. Like, they went to school or or they saw each other in town all the time. They knew each other growing yeah. up. but. They, they really weren't in the same circles right. um, society-wise. Like when, when him and his brother wanted to kind of, like, mess around, they would see these other kids at the foundry, and it was like, right. we're being bad, but it's like the other kids were like, this is our life. This is what this we This is have where we do. hang out. And the, and, the, and the foundry is where, like... It was like an kid, old mill. Yeah, it was the old mill, but or, it's like where the kids used to just go and hang out and play, or yeah. teenagers, you know, would go and hang out. And this is, like, what set in the... Well, I, when they were kids, like, I want to say it was, like... I first pictured something... When I first pictured it, I kind of pictured it as, like, the same age me. So I pictured yeah. it, like, 90s-ish. That's what I was thinking. But there was a reference that Terry makes about 1977. So I, it's, like, the yeah. 70s-80s-ish, maybe early, early, early 90s-ish era. But, yeah, they have the big hill, like... I don't know, even my town had, like, the hill that you go down, like, speeding on your yeah. bike or whatever. And so they had Evil Knievel Hill. I mean, their school was small enough that everybody knew everybody in the school. And yeah. you knew who the good kids were. You knew who the bad kids were. One of the things that they talk about is, like, Ig, like, he had a pool in his backyard. Like, not everybody in their town had, like, had a, a pool, pool you yeah. know. So it's like they played by the river. Ig didn't have to play by the river. They had their pool, you know. So she, they grew up there, and she, I mean, she kind of knew her place. Like, she knew that she hung out with her cousins. Their cousins were kind of like, I mean, it was a very blue-collar family. Yeah. Like, as adults, um, Glenna's, one of Glenna's cousins is, like, a tow truck person. and right. Growing up, it was just kind of like they had each other to really stick by, and they were the ones who were like kind of the troublemakers. And yeah. I mean, Ig's first introduction to her as children is her and her friends, like the boys that she's hanging out with, were like barbecuing. Like they had a turd on a stick and they were like setting it on fire, like barbecuing it. And they were just like, Yeah, this is what we're doing. This is fun. It, I don't know. It was just, like, really interesting. And Terry, Ig's brother, really intrigued me. Yeah. Because he was, like, obviously the band geek. Right. But He's popular and handsome. And... But, yeah, but he's popular and he's kind of sporty and there's things that he can definitely do. But he definitely had a gift for music. and. Yeah. He knew it. His family knew it. They really pushed it. And it's actually what helped get him his late night show later. And 
as an adult, it's something that he ends up, like, his being somewhat famous kind of is, like, resentful to almost everyone. Like, their friends are a little resentful of it. He's even a little resentful of it. And part of why I think Terry actually ends up becoming resentful of it is his hand that he thinks he is a part of in Marin's death. And right. so it just, he's like, I just couldn't handle how fake everything was and what his brother was going through and doing. Like it just all felt like Hollywood just was so much more fake to him. He hated LA. He hated yeah. being on the West coast. He's like, I didn't want to be, be there. And he really wanted to be where he could help kind of like protect his brother. Cause I mean, they, he they had a close relationship. Yeah. He was really tight. Yeah, he was definitely the older kid, like the older brother who didn't necessarily want his little brother tagging along, but he didn't mind when he did, and he was sure to include him. And if he did include him, he just wanted everybody to be as safe as possible. For sure. Um, And then he even got on Ig when Ig did something that Ig probably shouldn't have done. mm -hmm. But he got on Ig for it because... Of how, like, dangerous that was. He was like, you weren't supposed to do that. A lot of what Terry did is definitely that older sibling mentality of, my job is to make sure you don't screw up. And I'm yeah. there for you and I'm watching your back. And and that was a lot of it. And that's that's even part of, like, what happens to him in, in what happens with Marin. He's kind of covering for Ig, even though he didn't need to cover for Ig. But, yeah, exactly. But it all comes down to other things that yeah. make him have to cover for Ig because, or he can't tell the truth because he doesn't want anything to happen to Ig. And I mean, there's definitely some self preservation in it. For sure. And, but I think it's also like, Part of me by the end of it just felt so much sympathy for Terry because yeah. so Glenna and Terry both were the two people that the horns really didn't work on the way it worked on it with everybody, everybody else. else. Yeah. And they both very much truly loved Ig just for who he was, even after yeah. everything that came out. And Terry even explains it to Ig at the end. He was like, I did exactly what I was like told to do and he's like and then I just got further and further away and he's like it just seemed crazy to me like why am I going back here I should be here helping you and then they're like at the foundry and this is like Ig is like full-blown like horns are out he's Mm -hmm. like carrying like red skin yeah he's red skin because he's been set on fire and like a couple times (laughs) yeah I think a couple times at this point and yeah so his skin is red his horns are like full grown he he's understanding more of his power that he has um over people he's understanding more of the power that he has for himself right and he pushes into his into terry's head and he's like you will do this you will get in your car you will drive away you will Mm -hmm. get away from here you are not to be here you cannot get in trouble and ig is really i mean the same thing of like terry trying to protect his brother ig is doing the exact same same thing thing. he's trying to protect his brother 
And it's part of the reason why he told Terry to leave in the first place um, when he did, because he was like, don't worry about it. Don't do this. Like, go back to your job. Live a happy life. You know, yeah. forget all this stuff. And, yeah. And he um, did the same thing for Glenna. Like, yeah. he's like, you know what? Here's my credit card. Here's my, my bank card. Go to wherever. Yeah. And just keep all the money. Just use it all. And she's like, no, that's not right. And he's like, just do it. My parents won't know for months. They, yeah. won't, they won't do anything for for a few months. Like, right. go, go get away from here. You deserve your, better than this. Yeah, what's your biggest dream? And he, there's even one point where we haven't even, we'll get into Lee, but there's even one point where she's like, no, I'll just leave here and I'll go to Lee. And Ig is like, do not no way. Him. stay away from him. Do not do anything. And he even tells her, like, tell him to fuck off. Like, you don't need him. You don't need me. You're a great person. Go live your life in New York. Live your best life. Take my money. Yeah. Take my credit card. And he's like, you deserve it. And it's it's kind of, I think, his way of being like, I will never be able to give you what you want from me, but I'll be able to give you what I couldn't give you when right. I really had you. And I really appreciated that he did that. And I yeah. love that I love that he did try to do that with Terry as well. But I really, really loved that it didn't work on Terry. And mm-hmm. he even, like, Ig is like, good, he drove away, and it's fine. And then Terry comes back, and he's like, I hid the car. Right. You can try to push me away. This is not happening. We are right. in this together. And I really like that he came to Ig's defense, because yeah. he was the only person from the very beginning. I think before Terry even fully understood what happened, because you do end up finding out that the night that Marin was murdered, that Terry was very, very high, very, very drunk. drunk. Yes. He did not, he was not coherent. He did mm-hmm. not what's going on. And then on top of it, he hit his head on this metal toolbox in the back seat of a car. He, he, got, a so he got a concussion, essentially. Yeah. So then he had a concussion on top of that. So it was was very, yeah, and so you know that there was probably a lot of him also that was just like, what hand did I really have in it? And so from the very beginning, he really could only ever maintain Iggy's innocence in the whole thing without compromising himself or anybody else. And you do end up finding out that the person who killed Marin actually does pin everything on Terry. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, there's... Evidence. Yeah, there's evidence, fingerprints, blood. Like, yeah, jackets, all of this different stuff that had DNA from both Marin and Terry. And it's like, oh, this isn't a safe spot. Yeah. This isn't a place where you will never find it. Yeah. So there was, I mean, there was a lot of stuff where it's like how do I maintain his innocence and stay innocent myself? Cause I know neither one of us did it. Right. Even like the, the small characters, father mold, um, yeah. the nun, Eric Hannity, Everybody the grandmother. So well developed. Yeah. Even if you, even if you saw him for five minutes, you know, they were only in that one or two chapters. Everybody is so well developed. Like there's this one scene because Ig's like, this isn't right. I got horns growing out of my head. Mm-hmm. 
And he goes to the doc, like, you know, urgent care or something like that. And the, the lady, the receptionist or, you know, the intake nurse or mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what she is, but she's like, she's really well developed. There's this mom and this kind of bratty little child that are in that scene they're so incredibly developed. And the thing is, is like you feel bad for that little girl because she's a product of her crappy mom. Mm-hmm. And then, but like the the receptionist, like the receptionist is like complaining about how this little girl's like crying and just throwing a fit and the mom's trying-ish to stop the girl. Yeah, from being, quote, unquote, trying. <laughs> um to to stop the little girl from being this raging brat and you like at one point like the receptionist is like I just want to tell her to tell a kid to shut up or shut the fuck up or so- something mm-hmm. like that and it's like shut your brat up or something yeah shut, shut your brat up whatever it was but he was just like do it yeah because he learns very really quickly quick. Like immediately with Glen, uh, with Glenna, that she's they, like, I want to eat all the donuts. He's like, eat all the donuts, and like he didn't think it was anything, right? And, and she's so like, he, like he realizes with Glenna, and then with this receptionist, that they are asking him for permission. Yeah, there's something with the horns that he's like, oh they're asking me for my permission. And that's like one of the first things that he really tests with the horns is they like, can I give them permission? Can I make them do what they want to do? And he learns, he learns fairly quickly in the day that like he has the encounter with the receptionist and then the lady in the, in the uh, waiting room and the doctor and Lena and the, And, and the lady at the diner. Where yeah. originally where Marin had broken up with him and it was the server that served them the year before. And he finds out like some crazy stuff about this lady. Like, okay, yeah. you're a nut job too. Like this lady didn't help in him. She just decided that he was guilty. And well, so she and started making even, up stories. Yeah, it wasn't even about her guilt. She wanted to become famous. She yeah. wanted to be the person, the last person who saw them together. And so she created stuff. She told mm-hmm. people lies. She was like, yeah, I told them you hit her. And, like, I said this. And I'm not even sorry. And he was like, you're not sorry for coming over? She's like, no, I'm not sorry for lying about you. And right. she was like, and I would do it again. And you know what? Do what you want. Because now that you're here, I'm going to tell more lies about you and what yeah. you said. And she's like this compulsive liar. But even, like, the doctor, too. Like, the doctor is literally in just, like, that half a chapter. And he was like... Like, the doctor was so humorous to me because he was just like, oh, you have horns growing out of your head. Well, that's not normal. And then he's like, but do you know what I want to do? And Ig's like, just help me with my horns. And the doctor's flat out like, oh, patients, they're so selfish. It's always about them. And he's like, me, I want to crush up Oxycontin and, like, take it. And, like. Well, and what I thought was so funny, he's like, normally I wait until after I'm not working. 
Yeah. Like, and he's like, but he, I want to do it now. Do you want to do it with me? Is it okay if I do it now? Oh, and I, I like watching my, my teenage daughter's friends. At the pool. At the pool. In our backyard. In our backyard. <laughs> and it's like, okay, creeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so he not only is like, oh, these guys, like, you already got, like, glutton. And then mm-hmm. you have, like, I don't know what you would call the receptionist. It's not, like, envy. It's, like, one of the other ones. Like, you're definitely dealing with stuff. And then you have, like, this doctor who's, like, lust and all of this yeah. stuff. He's So he's, like, oh, my gosh. These people are literally telling me their inner desires. Yeah. And then he ends up seeing the father at his church, Father Mould. And mm-hmm. he notices that... His, he notices immediately that the nun and the father are not wearing their crosses. Right. And he makes that observation very quick. And it was really funny because reading it, I was like, oh, that's an interesting observation. Like, I wonder why that would matter. Well, he was also, he wasn't sure when he yeah. first walked into the church, or right before he walked into church, well, he's he like, because like, even so when what he if was I like, burn up yeah, he, through the doors? Yeah, he's like, should I go in? What should I do? And he even expects to start burning when he yeah. touches the handle. And then he was like, oh, nothing happened. I'm good. I'm <laughs> and then he, like, but he never actually goes into the sanctuary. He goes downstairs into, like, their basement gym or, like, the side gym or whatever. But he, the father starts talking about it. And he was like, I hope you die. I wanted to kill you myself. We've talked about it. I prayed about it. With the mother, the mother, Baron's mom and I pray about it. And then yeah. we get down and do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, I think you should kill yourself and like all this stuff. And then Ig is like, no, I think you should kill yourself. And he's like, why would I do that? I love my life. And so in that instance, Ig is like, oh, I'll spot I can, you. I can get people to do what Thanks, they yeah. want to do, and they are seeking permission for what they want and already desire. Because he convinces the nun to steal the money and like run away because that's what she really wanted to do. And it was like, I'm a lesbian and I want to steal this money and go away. And he's like, Yeah, do it. Go who cares? You're gonna be long gone before they find out who it was. And she's like, Yeah, you're right. But then like the father, he's like. I think you should kill yourself. And it's like, no, he's like, you should kill yourself. And he's like, no, why would I? I love my life. So it's like, oh, I can't make them do anything they don't want to do, but I can definitely make them do what they want. Right. And late, like the cross definitely plays in later. Like it it does. It was intriguing to me that Ig noticed it right away, but then I kind of forgot about it until it comes in later. And then I was like, Oh, that does make a difference. Because the a cross does it's a it's yeah, a it's secular a symbol. Thing. Yeah. It's a symbol. It's it does have a, a power and a symbol in the book as well. Yeah, it's definitely a symbolic in the story, not just yeah. not just like a Christian symbol, but like what it does in the yeah. story. Which we've talked about or we've had other books, we've never really talked about the symbols in some of the books. Like we'll right. talk about but this time we actually have like a symbol. Yeah. That I feel like is like really obvious and we Very. can talk about. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of what definitely helps with the symbol being very obvious is that you learn very early on in Marin and Ig's relationship that there there's a 
a necklace that Marin wears yeah. that breaks the very first Sunday Ig had ever seen her in church. Yep. And it broke. She was flashing eyes. Like, she was flashing, She's flashing a Morse code. Uh, SOS to him. Yeah, an <laughs> SOS to him um, in Morse code. And she leaves the necklace for him. It was very symbolic. Like, here's yeah. a cross. I'm leaving this for you. This, like, so from the very beginning, this, this cross ends up being a symbol for multiple things. Because yeah. Ig ends up giving it to his friend. Lee to fix it. Lee's like, I'm going to give it to the girl because I saw her too. And then right. it becomes a I thing, like kind of a, like a thing of power between the two of them and a yeah. symbol between the two of them. And then it ends up becoming like something throughout the whole book for Marin herself. Right. Like when she's wearing it, when she's not wearing it, where is it at? Um, there's one point where Lee is wearing it. There's right. one point where Ig is wearing it. Yeah. Um, well, so, Ig wearing it with the horns, I should, we should yeah, add. Yeah, Ig wearing it with the horns and the effect that that has. So it it is very interesting. Before we get into the three main characters, Lee, Ig, and Terry, which we've already kind of gotten into Ig Terry. and Terry. Yeah, Ig oh, and Terry. Sorry. Uh, Ig, Marin, and Lee. Sorry, not Terry. Yeah. Okay. The effect of the horns afterwards, like Sheila kind of hit on it. Like yeah. these, they don't remember what happens okay. afterwards. They don't remember running into him. They don't remember anything about it. And he sees his family and he's mm -hmm. dreading it the whole way there. Right. Because at this point he's already ran into the church. He's already gone to the doctor. He's already had his experience with Glenna. He knows and what's going to happen or what he knows. Said. Yeah. He knows, Oh my gosh, I'm going. And at this point he had already, he had already touched somebody and touched saw, the little, he touched the little girl. Yeah. And saw everything flash of like, everything dark like why she why she's kind of a bratty kid and why she doesn't like her mom yeah and so. yeah and like what her mom does and everything and then so he also understands the effect of what his touch has right so to some degree he understands that so he's like really dreading going there but then mm -hmm. at the same time he's like you know, like with his grandmother, oh, <laughs> oh my God. he's, she, he's she, remembering all of these perfect things about her. Like, like the best, the best points of his life the last with year grandma, have been with yeah. his grandmother, walking her, spending that alone time with her, yeah. having that, having somebody that literally he doesn't feel any judgment from. Right. And he accidentally touches her, and you find out that she's, like, faking her pain. She doesn't like her daughter. She yeah. is, she thinks it's hilarious that her daughter has to wait on her hand and foot because she thinks that her daughter's selfish. Right. She thinks that Ig has always been a, a bad person or like there was always something wrong with him from the, yeah, from the time he was child. born. Yeah, from the time like, he was yeah, she told, like, she had told his mom that, like, Ig's mom, like, yeah. there's something not wrong, no, there's something not right with Ig, there's something not right with him, like, she right. was very, like, she, 
She was like, embarrassed. Like, the walks that yeah. he found sanctuary, she was mm-hmm. like, I'm embarrassed for people to even see us together. together. Yeah. So it was very much like, are you kidding me? And after he had that experience with his grandmother, Grandma Vera, mm-hmm. he was like, I definitely don't want to go into the house and now. And talk to my folks now. Yeah. And talk to my parents. But he does. And then... He, that's when Terry confesses to him. He doesn't Mm -hmm. hear anything bad. Terry's just like, I know who did it. His mom is like, I can't deal with your drama one more day. You disgust me. I can't believe you're a murderer. His dad is just like, I was afraid it was you. I don't like what you did to our family reputation. Mm -hmm. It's any wonder that Lee... Even, or why, why do I keep getting Lee and Terry mixed up? It's know. any wonder that Terry even, like, still has, has his job, to, yeah. Has his job, and, like, he was well, so and, like, his that dad, his dad was like, I loved, I loved her, we loved her, why would you do that to her? Why would you do that to Marin? Yeah, you I know? would say his dad is probably the closest of most of the adults that he encountered, yeah. was the closest to Terry and Glenna. Because yeah. he was like, he was never like, I hate you. It was more like, how could you do this? Yeah, very disappointed. Like, how could you do this to her? I loved her. You loved her. She was like our daughter. Yeah. And then he was like, I just can't even put up with you that I purposely go out of town so I don't have to see you. Right. Like, that was kind of the worst thing his dad said. But his right. mom and his grandmother were They're definitely like... yeah. So Ig has that whole experience, and then Terry confesses this whole thing, and he leaves, and he really is like, oh... I'm the devil, I'll really be the devil. And he unlocks his grandmother's wheelchair and she crashes and hurts herself and goes in the hospital and he's like, that's it. I'm done with society. My family. I'm done with my family. I'm done with society. Where am I going to go? And he's like, that's it. I'm just going to live in the woods. I'll live at the foundry. I'll do whatever. I don't need anybody. And then he ends up finding out that like, after all this stuff happened, he has voicemails and messages from his mom, his dad, his brother, mm-hmm. and Glenna. Where are you? It's Grandma Vera's birthday. We need to celebrate with you. She's we at the hospital. Seen you all day. We're worried about you. Where have you been? We know it's th- what time of year it is. We love you. And so Ig really, and this is kind of like the duality of the responsibility of this is like, they're telling him this because they don't remember what they said. So he really struggles with, like, do they really love me? Because they right. literally just told this to my face and they hate me. Right. But now so they're he, all calling me and going, we love you. We're worried about you. Yeah. That, that would be really hard, like. Right. Getting those, you know, I mean, except for Terry, you know, like Terry's messages were very concerned, you know, a concerned mm-hmm. brother because he just confessed like what had happened but you know like his mother and you know calling him you know like I you know you're supposed to be here and we haven't seen you we haven't heard from you Glenna hasn't heard from you like there's all this concern and he's like they don't (laughs) they don't love me 
but right. they're acting like they love me. So that 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 is like a heavy thing, I would think, to like know that about somebody or some something to know that. And then like they don't remember. Right. You know, it just switches off the minute that they don't see him. Right. So. Yeah, definitely. That's that has to be really hard. And I feel like without having horns and being able to hear that there's always like a point in your life where you hear that where you have that gossipy friend who's like oh guess what this person said to about you I probably shouldn't right. tell you but guess what they said and then right. you see that person you're like how am I supposed to act around you now like I know what you said to this person right so yeah there's definitely like the duality of all of that of like it's the consequence of truth. Yeah. I think like it's, it's definitely that side of like ignorance is kind of a, a real it's sense bliss. of like ignorance is bliss. It can be, it really can be. And that, cause it is, it's like when you do find something out like that, you're like, well, what do I do? Do I, you know, do I bring it up to that person? Do yeah. I ignore what I heard or do I just like cut ties with them? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's some other options in between, but, um, right. but you know, like those I think would be like the kind of the main ones, you know, like it's hard to know something that you, you shouldn't know Yeah. that somebody thought or said about you. So yeah, so let's, definitely. let's talk evilly. Ugh, it's so, oh my God, this he, so. He's so here's this character. He's in the book, like at the beginning, he's kind of like this guy that seems like he's this pretty boy kind of. Um, he's you see him at the church when they meet, um, when you first learn about Marin. He's kind of put off as this like handsome, perfect young teenager, you know, his blonde hair and just good looking and probably gets away with everything and um you you learn that then he saves ig because ig does something really stupid and he pulls him kind of pulls him out of the water or whatever Mm -hmm. and then um or you know so ig kind of like befriends him then lee is like i'm he never says it but he makes it come across that he's poor yeah and so ig's like oh well here you can have and yeah he i don't think he ever comes like i don't think ig ever intends it to be like a charity case i think he just intends it as like he's my my friend now he saved my life and he's my friend now so like what's mine is yours it's a very genuine like offering like ig is so so kind yeah so good that you, and we all know those people that would, like, do anything for anybody, essentially. And, and yeah. I, that is Ig. You know, he's still really innocent. He's, like, 15 when this when he meets Lee. And then they kind of have this thing together with Marin when they're 15. And, and the whole cross issue. It's mm-hmm. not really an issue, but Ig finds it. Lee says he'll fix it. Because Ig can't fix it, or Ig doesn't know how to fix it. Yeah. And then... And Lee's... One of the first things Lee says is, oh, I fixed the moon once. I'll be yeah. able to fix this. I can fix this. 
But that's an interesting little story when, yeah. when it's told. Ig lets him take the cross and keeps the cross to give back to Marin because he feels he should. It's the right thing to do because he saved his life. Because mm-hmm. he saved Ig's life. Like, that was, like, such a driving force for Ig was he's like, well, I shouldn't, like, it's not my cross to keep. Mm-hmm. And so there was that. And then eventually he trades something for the cross, which is so funny because he eventually tells Marin that he feels guilty that he, like, traded this it was item a, for the it cross. Was, yeah. As a, like, a, it's like a cherry bomb. A but it was big cherry bomb. Yeah, but it was, it's <laughs> like, um, it was Eve's, like a, Eve's apple or apple, Eve's some. Apple. Something like that. It was this Something. huge firework, but it was before they like Fire, regulated yeah. fireworks yeah. and stuff like that. So it's really strong. And one of Terry's friends actually found like ended up getting like eight of them from like That's an uncle cool. or something. And it's it's what Lee saves Ig from because Ig yeah. takes the bet to get the last cherry bomb. Yeah. And he takes a ride down Evil Knievel Hill and in, in a, a cart, shopping cart naked <laughs> for the last one. And that's actually how he ends up drowning, where Lee essentially, like, saves him. Yeah. So to, to get everything rolling. So, yeah. So so that's kind of like the backstory on how he was saved. And but he just had this, like, guilt. And I remember, like, he was, like, kind of guilty, like, with Marin. He was like. I traded your cross to get your cross back from Lee for the cherry bomb. And like, he felt, he's like, and I know that's stupid. I shouldn't have had to do that because like, I, I don't own you, you know, like, right. But like, that was like 15 year old mindset. Yeah. That's that's what like 15 year old boys do. Like, Mm -hmm. I'll trade you for that. You know, her for what, I don't know, like what I don't, I didn't do that sort of thing when I was 15. So, but I'm sure there's some people out there. And I'll tell you what, I forgot how crude this book was. Mm-hmm. This time around, I was like, oh yeah, that's really crude. But I, <laughs> so to be aware, <laughs> it's really crude. It's a lot of like boy, boy thoughts. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Because, well, because, I mean, there's definitely a point where Lee, like, you find out from Lee where he's like, oh, I could get this girl to do this for me. And, like, he even tells Ig, like, oh, you want her? That's fine. Whatever. I probably don't even have a chance with her. And he's like, I got Glena. She'll give me a hand job. And, like, for him, it's just very, like, whatever. I don't really care. So it is very kind of like, oh, like, not even that I think this is necessarily what, like, how boys talk. But then at the same time, you're like, oh, this is totally how boys talk. (laughs) Like, teenage boys. They're, like, concerned. Like, you know, they have their hormones. They have all that. So you're just like, oh, no, this is, like, totally how they talk. Well, and I think maybe that. And it made me how some boys talk, like, because, like, it didn't talk that way. Like, I remember it was just so funny because there's a scene where, like, Lee's talking about pornography magazines. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, do you have any? And Nick's like, yeah. And he pulls out this shoebox or 
Oh no, it's a it's a game. It's a game box. It's Candyland. Yeah. Candyland, that's right. And, and he opens Lee, it. Even Lee gets it right away. He's like, haha, that's funny. And that's it's funny. like, what's so funny? It's I just knew nobody would play this game. We haven't played it in ages, so that's why it's yeah. in here. But it's funny. And then he opens it and it's a comic book with um I don't remember the character that they said, but it's this like really sexy character. Really, I feel like it's like Catwoman or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. And there's like some leather straps and yeah. stuff like that. And so like it's it's not it's, it's that it's and then it's like a sports illustrated. Yeah. <laughs> and like a cosmo or something, you know. It's like, like a Cosmo, a sports illustrated and a comic book. Like se- there's sexy things in it, but it's not it's not pornography like what it's like it's like overly sexualized but it's you can walk into a store and buy it and nobody would ever think anything of it right and so like lee is totally like this you know bad boy kind of experience but no experience yeah and then there's ig who's like completely innocent like yeah see i got my little comic book that isn't really that bad yeah (laughs) And Glena, why do I keep calling her that? Glena is like she's the one who ends up telling Ig, like you know he's not poor, like stop giving him your yeah. stuff. Like he got my me dad this, mows his lawn. Yeah, my dad mows his lawn. He lives in a gated community over on this part of town. Oh, like he's uh, not yeah. par- he's not poor. He's, they're like, doing okay. Yeah, like stop they're, giving him. There's no Ig. I mean, it's they're no Ig family, like super right. rich. Like but they don't have like a pool and they don't have all of that. But I'd they're definitely middle class. Well off. I'd say they're middle yeah. class. They're okay. They're doing better than Glenna. Yeah. So it's like it is really interesting because Lee very much is like I'm just gonna work the system and get as much as I can out of everybody and whatever they want to give me, they can give me. And he even knows, I mean, you end up finding about out about his childhood, and it's like, yeah. he knows his dad's having this affair. His mom is, like, very pushy. They fight a lot, but they're not fighting about what they really want to fight about. Mm-hmm. Um, he, from a very young age, has just these thoughts about things and people and, like, what they are to him. Right. And you, like, he has this whole incident with a cat where he ends up, like, killing a cat and... Mm-hmm. He's, like, he ends up killing the cat because it didn't do what he wanted it to do, essentially. Right. He It was a stray tomcat. He thought he could lure it in, and then the, the tomcat swiped at him, and it basically just pissed him off, and he was, yeah. like... You're dead. Yeah. It, it and the trigger. It just and flipped even, the switch in him. And even when he explains it, he doesn't even understand what happened I mean he's a child and he is like I don't know what happened I just remember falling off the fence and then all of a sudden there was fur and blood and stuff on my hand and the cat the cat's head was squished and he is he mentions where he almost like fell onto a pitchfork and he didn't and Mm -hmm. Then he, like, noticed the moon was, like, quivering, and that's when he grew to this enormous size and fixed the moon, and he could see his dad driving home already drinking, and he was like, I just fixed the moon, I had the power. He's like, I could have reached over and flicked the car, nobody would have known. So he immediately, like, went from a, like, zero to 60 
he kills this cat and then immediately is like, I could kill my dad and nobody would even know because he'd be a drunk driver. And then once he gets older, you actually end up like how horribly he takes care of his mother. And Ig and Ig and Marin both were there for him when his mother died. And he like, even like what he did to his mom, he like tortured her. he He tortured her it was it's it, it's really but even as a child he never spoke highly of his mother no he there wasn't any there wasn't much love there no at none at all because he even told like one of the things he told Ig was like well at least he like he doesn't like come right out and say it but he basically alludes to the fact like I don't know who my father is my mom was a whore like whatever yeah even though he doesn't come right out and say that, he very much plays to that side of it. Yeah. And you find out that he, like, grew up in a home where he had, like, dinner fixed by a certain time every single night. And yeah. Like, it was very, yeah, like, very suburban middle class. And he, I mean, like, his mother is dying. And he, like, she'd be, like, yelling for thirst. Like, thirst, thirst, thirst. Yeah. And he would like purposely drink water in front of her and not get water her in front of her, or he would give her salt, salt water, water or hot of, water. Yeah, um, for her to drink it. He would put tons of blankets on her, keep her room extremely. And it's hot. it's summer, so it's really hot yeah. already. It's like, they're in New Hampshire, so yeah. And um, there's like one point where he even says he's like, yeah, the room probably got up to to like a hundred degrees, and he was like. Yeah. And that was with me just sitting there. Like, I can't imagine what she felt like under four blankets. Like, she had yeah. four heavy comforters under her. her. Yeah. And, and the whole time. She would time. let her soil herself. Like, it was just. Yeah. It's, it's like the worst caretaker. Mm-hmm. Like, all those stories you, like. But then, like, about, at the same time. That's what like, he did. Right. And, yeah, like, all of the worst nursing home stories. But at the same time, like. There was things that he did to her that she did to him, probably being, like, the forceful mother. Not that it excuses it at all, but, like, he even says it. He was, like, she peed the bed. I would rub the sheet in her face the the same way she did to me as a child. And so it it was definitely a lot of stuff that stemmed from his childhood. But even when his mother was dying, all this stuff was happening. He was like, Ig and Marin would drop in unexpectedly to check yeah. in on me. He would, like, be walking around the house naked, like, yeah. doing all this stuff. And he had to, like, keep stashes of clothes in, in areas in case yeah. he stopped by so he could be like, oh. And he would make excuses so they couldn't see his mom. And the whole time he was like, oh, I wonder if she'll come by. Like, I wonder if Marin will come by today. Yeah. What can I get? He was always playing the system. He was always playing, and, like, he, he had this whole plan, like, because Ig is actually getting ready to, he's, or Ig's been up in New York for a while, and Marin's been in Boston. Ig has basically told Lee, hey, take care of Marin, because you're a bit closer to her than I am mm-hmm. right now, and Ig is actually getting ready to go overseas and um, work with a company in England, Yeah, and... You know, and so he's told him, like, so, like, the next six months while I'm over there testing the waters with this company, you know, you got to be there for Marin for me. And 
Lee was just like Lee took it to this whole nother level, like this level of obsession of like like she's gonna become mine and like he just and like he it, worked the story he into worked his it. head. But then he also like if she would say something, like he's like, Oh, that's a that's a hidden Yeah. Like, he manipulated is... what she said into what he wanted to hear. And we do hear this a lot, like kind of like with yeah. the um the the incel guys uh where like they just think that oh well she said that so so she must mean she likes me or she wants me lee had put himself in a position where he was the exact opposite like he truly was a wolf in sheep's clothing oh he totally was after this whole thing, Marin, Ig, and Lee, they became, like, this threesome yeah. that were inseparable. And they, like, he was this reform. Because Ig, Ig gives the cherry bomb to, to Lee, Lee for the cross. They have that whole exchange that we've talked about. Lee sets it off and actually ends up getting hit with some glass, glass and stuff in his eye. So his yeah. he loses partial vision in his eye, in his left eye. Mm-hmm. And... He becomes this like reformed reform sinner. Kid. Yeah, I'm this reformed sinner. So now he's at all these church functions with everyone. He works Off for of, a senator, right? He's he now is like in the congressman's office, or and they're like yeah. they're working to get him this presidential or no, the governor, governor nomination. And the congressman has this ultimate plan, like governor, then president. Yeah, and. He has very, very much presented himself as, like, a reformed person. He's the good guy. He's the reliable guy. He was Ig's best friend. Yeah. Even well, though, they, like, they went Aaron, to, he was a, a counselor at church camps. Yeah. And, he like, was that, he would tell camp. his, like, his story, how he was this bad kid and how he saw his sins and recovered from it. And, like, he totally... Like, everybody thought he was this, he, he had changed. He yeah. did not change. Definitely a psychopath. Oh, absolutely or a psychopath. Or yeah. a sociopath. Like, I mean, and there were even some things where Marin kind of excused it because he, like, he's like, oh, I'm the grieving son. And Marin shows up in what she probably would have shown up in anyway, no matter who she was. And he takes it to the point where he's like, oh, she chose the skirt just for me and then he like tries to cop a feel and she doesn't say anything and he was like you let me fondle you the day my mother died and she was like you were grieving I gave you a pass like that was not drunk too I think yeah and he was he was drunk and like all this stuff happened but it was like he took all these little signs like she would send him an email like oh if you come to Boston I have this cute blonde for you to meet like you'll totally be able to hook up with her and he had he had decided that the blonde never actually existed and it was that she was talking about herself yeah and she was talking about herself who was not a blonde she was talking about herself and met herself and that Lee and her were gonna have this Boston tryst and he like so he had worked all of this stuff up it was very much like you read about this stuff in true crime all the time where it was like 
she looked at me and I could tell the look in her eyes she wanted it. Yeah. And it was like, no, they were just a normal freaking human being and you just wanted to rape someone. You just had like, this interpretation in your head of yeah. what was happening and that's not what was happening. Right. And so it was like it was very much it was very much the victim blaming part. It's really funny to me because and, and one of the things that I loved because it, it was very subtle and then all of a sudden it was very like not subtle throughout right. the book where it's almost like you have the angel and the devil on Marin's shoulder for a lot yeah. of the book and a lot of the book just because of the very real horns that Ig is wearing and his denial and everything that happened that like, as a reader, there was never a point where I was like, oh, Ig did this. You find out right. very early that he's very innocent in he's it. totally innocent, yeah. But at the same time, you're like, he shouldn't have reacted that way. They couldn't, you know, they were drunk. Like, why did they do this? He shouldn't have left. Like, there's all those things in there where you're like, oh, Ig, like, why didn't you do that? But he very much, very literally represents the, de- the devil. And Lee very much represents the angel. And he's like no, I'm reformed. I'm the, I'm the good guy. I'm this. And it's really funny because after the fixer section where it's really about Lee, you're like, Oh no, he's really the devil. And Ig really is the angel. Yeah. And it's very, it's very much that whole, like, um, I don't know if, if you would call it like the juxtaposition of like good versus evil. And you get this a lot in a lot of different books. One of the books that came to mind, that is very much about this whole theory is, is somebody evil because you create, they are created evil or somebody evil because they've been deemed evil and that's wicked because Alphabet is really just trying to like help the, help the animals. And it's like, she ends up becoming the source of their evil when she's really not an evil person. And it's very much that like Iggy is not a, an, an evil person, but he becomes the source of their evil. And so he very much literally just becomes the devil. Yeah. And he, there's just a point where he's like, okay, you want me to be the devil? Here I am. I'm the devil. Yeah. And you end up realizing, and Iggy touches, Iggy touches Lee and he sees everything. 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 Everything that, like, from Lee's childhood to, you know, adulthood to, like, now, a year later. Lee is, so Lee is the only character in the book that the horns do not initially work on. Right. And the reason is, is because. He he had Marin's cross on. He took, he had her cross. And. Iggy didn't realize that until a little while later. Like, he he, he wondered, like, his first yeah. instance. He's like, like, why isn't Lee... Right. He noticed right away. He's like, Lee is not confessing anything to me. Yeah. Everybody else has been confessing stuff to me. Lee is not confessing anything to me. Right. And then he notices the cross. And he thinks back to Father Mould, Mould who's like, wait, he did it. But then he was like, wait, the cross was on the bench press. Right. He wasn't wearing it. And so he discovers, like, oh, so I can go into a church, I can do these things, but if somebody's wearing the cross, they, it, my horns don't work on them. Right. But then he also looks at that as, like, 
this is evidence. Like, why would Lee have Marin's cross? Marin never went without that. After they fixed it and it gave it back to her, she, she always wore it. She always wore it, never had it off. And so he was like, wait, how did she end up with this? Or well, how did Lee the, end up with her? And her body, that? like, you know, when you find out what when she was murdered, that the cross wasn't on her. Yeah. So you do learn that, but yeah, the, the cross is makes it so Lee doesn't react. And then like the only way Ig found out about it was him and Lee got into a fight at the foundry one night and Ig just grabbed the chain. He didn't know what he was grabbing. He knew that he was wearing a chain, a silver chain and he, he pulled it off and then that was when, like, you know, he touched Lee and he saw everything and, you know, Lee started reacting to what and mm-hmm. telling Ig everything that he had done. He started, you know, yeah. doing confessing what he had done. And then he throws Ig in the car, goes down Knievel Hill, has it on fire. Mm-hmm. And he, basically Lee thinks he's going to kill He's like, I got rid of him once and for all. Right. And Ig, because he's now a devil. I mean, it's a bad fight. Like, his hand is crushed. He's not His ribs are crushed. He's on fire. I'm pretty sure his jaw smashed twice. Twice, yeah. Like, his jaw was already broken, and then he hit it and, like, broke it even worse. So he can't even, like, talk or say or do anything. he's, He's in bad shape, but... He makes it so he he essentially survives the accident or the the fire, and mm. something that I can't believe we have not talked about is the snakes. I know the snakes. Um, the snakes kind of they're they're there and they kind of like save him and pull him. Well, and you end it, up finding out that, like, when Lee was like, I didn't save you, it was, Lee makes that confession again. He was yeah, like, I, I have told, he was like, maybe you will finally listen to me. I, I never saved you. He was like, I was just there. A snake pulled you out. And he, pulled was, and he was scared of snakes. Lee is and very so he's trying to kick the snake. Lee was trying to kick the snake and he kicked egg instead. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what got him to breathe and stuff like that. And so, you, yeah, snakes follow him. Like, as soon as, well, you find out that, like, the snakes are already following Ig everywhere. Right. Once he, the first time he goes out into the forest and, in the, in, like, to the foundry and everything, he starts to notice all these snakes around him. Yeah. And he's, like, so they were already following him. And then you find out that these snakes saved him when he was younger. So yeah. it's like. They've always followed him. So, like, his grandmother was right. There was always something in him from the beginning. It's just, like, you never really knew what it was. Right. Yeah, so there's the snakes. The snakes kind of save him. But he comes out of the water, and he's not charred or Mm -hmm. anything. But because he caught on fire, he's back to new. Except for he doesn't have any hair now. Mm -hmm. And he's got some... Some pretty pink red skin due to being <laughs> and fried. Come, because he actually ends up running into Marin's father, too. Yes. That was and, one of my favorite scenes. When, yeah. Because, because while the father, the father initially is afraid and hates Iggy at that point, he ends up 
learning that it wasn't Ig. And but he's fearful of Iggy and runs away from him. Well, first yeah. of all, he 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 sees the car. This is the right. whole reason for why her dad even shows up yeah. is he sees the car and he his first thought is like Heidi, we got him. He finally died. Right. And that's all he can think about. He's so thankful. And he sees Iggy and he tries to run away and get away from him. And Iggy's like in the car. And he was like, why is he afraid of him? And he realizes that he's actually wearing Marin's cross. Yeah, because he had found the cross in so, the night. Right. And so he puts it on because he's like, this is Marin. Like, he even smells the cross, like, hoping yeah. to get a, a sniff of her. And he's like, why am I smelling this? This is not going to smell like her. He just is in so much need of, of her, her that that's all he craves. And so he puts the cross on and he realizes immediately, oh, I have the cross on. I look just like myself, it looks but with horns. Or, no, they don't see the horns. Oh, I thought, I took it as her dad still saw the horns. He didn't see the horns. I think he was afraid that, um, or how I interpreted it was, the horns weren't there, but Ig looks really, really I mean, scary. He's, he's bald. He's bald. He's, he's not his normal skin tone. But he yeah. still looks like Ig, and he's wearing <laughs> discarded clothes, like a trench coat, a blue a skirt, skirt, and a sock over and his a junk. Sock. <laughs> it's a random just... black sock over his junk. But the skirt's really short. <laughs> it's funny. But but he realizes, so he puts the, the, the necklace in the, the glove box, and then he's like, oh, Ig, like, blah, blah. And Ig tells him, like, I didn't kill your daughter, but I know get who did. Car. And he's like, get in the car, let's talk. And her dad, like, he becomes, he gets the effect of the horn. And he's like, you know what, I really don't want to do this. And he starts confessing, like, and again, it's not like, he's like, I bought a gun to kill you, but I couldn't kill you. Right. And he's like, so I tried killing myself. I couldn't kill myself. And then he, like, starts talking about his wife and, like, his daughters and how much he misses them. And But he's very much like, why should I believe you? Why should I believe that you didn't kill my daughter? And he tells him all these things. And he's like, for the same reason I know this about you and the same reason I know this about you and the same reason right. I know this. And he's just like, okay, I get the point. Her dad is able to just kind of have this release and, like, talk about Marin in a way that he wants to talk about her in a way that he was not allowed to talk about her with his wife. Yeah. And his wife, they, Marin had a sister who passed away from cancer, who did, who said and did very ugly things before she passed. And you find out that she removes literally any evidence of both daughters from their yeah. house. And instead of having daughter like pictures of their daughters, they have pictures of Jesus all around the house. And her office literally looks like it's staged for like a house showing mm -hmm. for, you know, so she really like pours into all of this stuff and Ig kind of helps him like give him peace and they talk about it, but Ig is able to go through a lot of, uh, like all of Marin's boxes yeah. and he finds an envelope that is to him yeah. and he takes it with him up from Marin and like he's he even talks about it. he's like books that I forgot I even owned and there's like there's I mean snakes aren't my absolutely favorite thing but I'm not like scared of them or anything yeah, anyway yeah. 
And there is a sweet moment where Lee kills one of his little snakes that he befriends and yeah. he like knows it's a her and he's like, Oh, she, he hurt her. And then he's like looking through these like reptiles of New Hampshire, like New England or whatever. And he's like, Oh, this is the kind of snake it was. And yeah. even though she's like one of the deadliest types of snakes, like she doesn't usually attack humans or anything yeah. like that. And he was like, Oh, this is what she was, you know? And, you get all these moments where Ig is just like fully embracing the devil inside of him and he's still able to have these moments of humanity. Right. And that is, I feel like that is one of my favorite, that was one of my favorite sections too, especially towards the end was where he did have that moment with her father because he, it always, I think that was one of the things that always bothered Ig was that he wanted to grieve with her parents and he couldn't because they, right hated him and he was like they thought he did it yeah like the rest of the city yeah but that was one of my favorite scenes because like you know the father started out terrified hated ig and then ig you know like after they talked and you Mm -hmm. know uh the father learned the story like they kind of became friends and like Ig made him a drink or you know like yeah. the relationship was kind of the same again not I mean obviously not really but yeah you know like it wasn't that f- hate-filled um relationship so it's kind of like the horns worked differently on him than they did on some of the other people also like yeah kind of the Glenna and Terry but way. part of me feels like the horns didn't work on him in the same way because I think deep down I think deep down the father knew Ig didn't do it. Oh, sure. And that's why the horns were able to work that way. Because I think it's the whole, it just goes back into, like, I just could never bring myself to kill you. I don't think he could ever bring himself to be like, it's because I think you're innocent and you didn't do it. I think he was just like, I was never able to kill you. And he was never able to kill himself. And so he was just like, what am I supposed to do? And... That it's around this time when Ig, like, Ig's character makes this comment about what do you do when you're with your own private devil? Right. And it that was, like, a really interesting concept to me of, like, oh, having your own private devil. Like, what would you do if you, if you could do that? Like, if you could have your own private devil who allowed you to do anything, what would you do? And honestly, like... Her dad just wanted an excuse to, like, not go into work. Well, he just wanted to leave. And leave his wife, leave New Hampshire, take the memory of his daughters with him where he could, like, live it, like, live in their memory with them and move on and not feel like he's just in this, like relic of a of a house where he he's not able to grieve or do anything or even remember his his children right I mean I mean like he didn't have a wife he didn't have a wife at that point he didn't have his daughters he didn't have anything and I think like him and Ig come to an understanding and although their relationship could never be the exact same because they both had this big loss I think it was as close as it could be with a big loss where it's like we both are grieving the same thing and we both want to feel the same grief. Right. Yeah, they definitely... It's both coming from a place of, like, absolute love. Yeah, it was definitely a... How do I want to say it? 
like a time for them to kind of heal with each other. Like they, they were never able to grieve with each other before. And sometimes yeah. you do need to have those, those moments and those talks. And you may never like he, obviously he was, they were never going to really see each other again, but it is what each of them needed to move on, to move on especially the father. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely. And, oh my gosh, Marin. Her secrets, oh my gosh. She, she has... Now, I have a question for you, because I had read it. How did you feel when that secret came out? I was shocked a little bit. Yeah. I was shocked a little bit, but I also, like, it also... This is going to sound really weird and maybe a little perverse. It made me happy that that's why she made the choice that she did. Right. Because there was definitely a point where I did not like her character. I don't think her character deserved what she got. No, right. By any any means. Mm -hmm. But I also was like... I really didn't like how she handled the breakup, the breakup and how it came out and how she said it and like how it played out because you find out about their breakup, like at the end of the chapter, that's mostly about her. Right. Um, Like the breakup is kind of like the beginning. Yeah. The first, I don't know, maybe quarter or so. Yeah, because it's it's book. in the it's in like the second section called cherries, yeah. and so it's definitely in the in the first part of the book, and it was one of those things where I'm like, this is just very calculating. It's very manip- I, It felt very manipulative yeah. to me, where it was very much like she was trying to put everything on egg, like, no, you go do this, you go do this, and like there was part of me that was like girl, if you have a boyfriend or a new boy, like, just just tell him and don't put it on him. And there was a part where it just kind of, like, made me really mad. And then there's a part where you're like, oh, my gosh, it's freaking Lee. Yeah. And then it just made me even more mad because then by this point, when you're thinking it's Lee, you also find out that he's, he's the one. And you're like... Ugh. Uh, right you're like, like you're yeah. kidding me and then you also get the line where she's like the 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 night that he picks her up after the breakup she's like oh my gosh you just sh- saved my life right. and then you're also like no he doesn't save your life and then you're just like <laughs> and you just broke up with somebody who would have saved your life and so you're like kind of mad at her yeah and then you get into the part of, like, the fixer with Lee's story and, like... There's some signs. There's definitely some signs because he's, like, she looks like crap. She, she's, like, oh, she's such a turnoff. And he does it in a very, like, sociopathic way. Like, oh, she's such a turnoff. I'm glad I... Like, I'm just pissed that I wasted my time coming up right. here. But... Like, she's he, not the girl next door that I thought she was. Like, he yeah. has... Like, why is she, why does she look sick? Why does she look, yeah, he definitely had this fixation on the girl next door vibe. Like, yeah, and like, it's not just her. There's like other times that like it's brought up, like with the um, congressman's daughters, kind of like, yeah, 
the girl, the actual girl who lives next door to him. Right. He's he he's which he fantasized her. about doing stuff to her, but he was like, yeah. "It's too obvious. You can't." Yeah, I'm right next door. Can't screw where you be. You know, yeah. uh, we're right next door. He makes comments about the congressman's daughter, and he even talks about Glenna a little bit that way, yeah. where he's like, "Oh, I could totally fix her up and still get my jollies off and like yeah. do what he really wants." But then he even says, like, she's tainted. She's, like, messed around with too many people. And he really sees Ig as, like, a very inferior person. He does. So in his eyes, Marin is still virginal. She's still this, like, untouched girl next door. So He he put her on a pedestal. Yeah, he sees her in these sweats and her hair like up in this messy bun and he's like oh she's so gross well even like she and he even mentioned he was like she looks sick and and he's like oh you're not feeling well and she's like yeah something like that like there's all these different things and you're like oh don't and she confesses to lee like i think i'm really doing this i want to do this to ig i want him to move on i want him to experience stuff i want to experience some stuff and those are some of the signs that lee's lee takes from mary yeah he's reading too heavily and he even interprets that as like oh she's breaking up with ig for me right and she literally never says that and there so at that point you're like oh this literally has nothing to do with her so then i like I just kind of was like, okay, I kind of see the signs. I was kind of shocked by it. And then I was just also kind of relieved. Yeah. Because. And it made some sense to some of the, her, yeah, her thought and, processes or her actions. Like, Not that I this, agree with them, but. Right. I, and it's. You know, like, she says this line, like, it'll just be better for me to know that he found somebody else and moved on. Right. And you're like, that's so cryptic. Like, why does she have to say it that way? That means, and so in your head, like, because you don't know this big reveal yet, in my head, I was like, oh, she already found somebody else that she thought is the one. Where she thought it was Iggy, and she's like, oh, no, it's not him anymore. It's really this other person is the one I want to be with. And so you think that's why she's breaking up with him. And you're just, at this point, you just see what Ig is, you see everything that Ig has gone through over the last year. So she's doing these things, and she even tells Ig, like, you've never experienced anybody but me like and ig just keeps telling her like i don't need to like i, I don't want, need to experience I don't need anyone else yeah i want to be you like we named our kids we have this life planned out like you were supposed to come to london you helped me pick the neighborhood to get an apartment in like you know they had all these plans and then she very much was just like i think instead of me coming to you you should date other people What I liked the most about the reveal is that when Ig found the envelope of Marin's and her stuff, he knew immediately what the dashes and lines were. And, I mean, this goes back to the very first time they saw each other in the church, and she flashed, like, the SOS, SOS, like, the Morse code, and he, like, studied Morse code. He learned Morse code for it. And she had flashed him us. Mm-hmm. And she was, like, playing it off, like, no, I totally didn't mean that at all. And then it's Nothing. like, 
Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, no, she totally meant that. And so that was just like one of their cute things that they had in their relationship is yeah. they were they would tap out Morse code to each other or like write out Morse code to each other. But nobody knew that. Yeah. yeah. Not even was, Lee. Lee didn't know that. It was literally just between the two of them that they knew that. And, and he even saw her message. Yeah. In the Morse code. Yeah, like, what's that? She's like, oh, you know that game where you have to do the dots and the dashes? Yeah, my roommate and I play that sometimes for laundry. And Lee is like, who's going to, like, and he even asks the roommate, like, who's going to get you to do the laundry? And she's like, what laundry? And he's like, Marin always does all your laundry. And he has contempt for this roommate. Yeah, he doesn't. Like, he's like, she's Asian and she's a little little chubby. Like, he's very... But then he's also like, how dare you make yeah. Marin work hard work for hard, you? Yeah. And so she's like, what are you talking, talking about? about? And he was like, the dot game that you guys play for laundry. And she was like, oh, we play a game? <laughs> and you're just like, oh. And so she's like not letting on, but she's like, oh, the game we play? Like, she obviously is like, what are you even talking about? You're right. a and she, you end up finding out that Marin writes this, like, message to Ig. I mean, it was, it's like, like, a love, it's, pages. like, a love, yeah, pages and, like, a love letter slash goodbye. And you find out, Ig. and you find out by the end of the letter that she has written this message over two months. Yeah. And I love that the very first message that she sees or that he sees when he holds it up, it's medical paperwork from yeah. from a mammogram that she had. And she's like, fuck off, egg. <laughs> it's like, like, that's the very first yeah. Morse code message that he sees. And he but it's it was one of those things where for him, he was like, she it just was like the moment of clarity for him that he needed like yeah. this is why she did it this is why she did everything and when you see or when you read about the actual murder and how it happened and how yeah. everything went down you hear her last words and you find all of that out before you read this message yeah. so there's a point where you're like at least for me, like, there was a point where I was just kind of, like, so mad at her. Like, I didn't yeah. hate her. I still felt sympathetic for her, but I was so mad at her for, like, what she did to Ig that right. when you find out, like, her last words were to Ig, like, which ultimately just made Lee even more pissed off. And totally. he was like, why are you talking to Ig right now? And, like, he just, like, left you in the rain or whatever. And her last words are to him, and she's just like, it's okay, I'm fine now. Like, I don't hurt anymore. And then you find all of this stuff out, and you're like, oh my gosh, that has so many layers of meaning. So many. many. It just, yeah. I, like, it. the way all the characters wrapped into each other. And tied in, yeah. I love how... Yeah, the three characters, the three main characters, like, they intertwine and interweave in, like, such such a way that you feel sympathy and dislike for all three of them. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. Like, cause I mean, there's all, you always hear about character or not hear about, but like you'll read a book and there's, you're probably like, Oh, I love that character from the beginning to the end. They're such a good person. 
you know, like there's things I love about Ig. There's some things that, not that I, I never hated, but I was just like, that sucks. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you know, his grief and everything that he was going through. And like, Lee, I never, I'll be honest, like, I never really liked him, even from the beginning. I never really, like, I never really liked Lee either, but there was a point where you were hopeful. Like, there was a point oh, maybe where you he were did turn around. You, there was a point where you were, like, hopeful in his reformation, where you're yeah. just like, no, he really did turn around. Like, okay, he's still going to be the smoking friend. He's still going to be the friend that's, like probably has the bad idea that you're gonna like be like let's not maybe do that but let's do this instead but there's still when he played that character there was a likable thing about him that you you wanted to believe in it yes but you but there was always something on the edge of him that just didn't feel right but honestly like a lot of the people who are those people in real life, they always have that quality where there's yeah. something likable about them that you want to believe, but there's always something just enough off-putting that you're just like, oh. And Marin and Ig just really were yeah. two people who believed the best in other people, other people and yeah. believed the best in each other and themselves. Yeah. And they well, just thought people were inherently good, and they really believed that he was. Yeah, and I feel like I'm kind of going through that myself with a a friend, a formal friend, I guess I should say. Is yeah. This guy I've known since I was in junior high. You know, we kind of dated a little bit in junior high for like a, I think we were in ninth grade, maybe a week or two, and we were both like, eh, this is a mess. <laughs> and then, but then after that, we were always really, really good friends. And then two months ago, he was arrested for horrible, horrible things that he did to women and yeah. blackmail. And like, I get it. Like, he charmed me. He had this charisma. I I had no idea what he was doing. Yeah. And so I totally, I, I can see, I, I, you know, since I'm personally kind of going through it, like, this person that was really important in my life, and this is what he's done. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, it's hard. And so, but yeah. I, I, I know, I, I, I totally see how it happens. Like, these people just know how to, or look like they're really good people, and do the right things, and say the right things. So, yeah. Absolutely. And there's, I mean, there's always something appealing to those personalities. Yeah. Like, you have to make the choice of either you ha- you're you going to be sympathetic towards them or you're going to be like, I can't look past what you did. Right. And it's, I think that's like the big thing with Lee. And you're left at the end very much being like, you can't look past what Lee does. No, no you can't. And you, and you don't like I I think almost yeah. anybody can't and won't because he was never going to change. Right. He was and always going to be. knew that. Ig yeah. knew that. So like the big scene at the end when Ig fights them, it's like yeah, Ig and Terry and then Eric and Lee. Yeah. They're all fighting with each other and it's just like really interesting because Ig knew like from the very beginning like. I'm not going to come out of this, but I'm definitely not going to let Lee come out of this. No. Yeah. 
And so they, like, he knew what he was getting into, which is part of the reason why he was protecting his brother, Terry. Right. With all of it, because he didn't want him to be implicated in any of it. He didn't want him to get caught in the crossfire of any of it. And I, like, the thing that I just love about, like, how it ended is that in an imperfect way, you get, like, perfect justice for all the characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, Terry's able to, like, move on with his life. Glenna is able to move on with her life. Dale, Marin's father, moves on with his, his life. life. The par- Like, Ig's parents move on with their life. Lee gets his justification. Yeah. But then Marin and Ig get their justice yeah. as I well. Love- I really love the ending. Like, I love... Yeah. Lee's in the hospital recovering from his injuries. Terry. Or sorry, Terry. My bad. I, was, I know. Sorry. I my my confusion of the two of them spread to you. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Terry, the brother, is recovering in the hospital after the fight with everybody at the end, and he wakes up at one point, and there's Marin, and there's Ig, and Ig is playing the trumpet and the thing was Mm -hmm. ig always wanted to play the trumpet but the reason ig never played was because he didn't have strong enough lungs he had had asthma asthma. so he was never able to get enough air to to play and here he is back to regular old ig and better old ig because he has lungs that can play the trumpet. And yeah. they they had this like little party in the hospital room with Terry. And I like I totally love that there was that little like ghost scene with yeah. um, Marin and Egg. I love that. And then I, I just I loved how at the very end, you know, like Terry and Glenna had this connection and they Mm-hmm. They chatted about how they were both moving to New York, and and Glenn is like, I'm moving up there, and he's like, call me, like like, and there's definitely a connection. There's it's not just a we're friends, like let's hang out yeah. sometime. It's like no, like we're both gonna be in New York. Let's yeah. let's, let's do let's something. Up. Let's yeah. And um, it was tied up nicely. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like it just didn't end or right. <laughs> it wasn't like oh now I have to hurry and end the book. Right. It was t- it was all and it wasn't tied up in a nice perfect bow. Mm-mm. Where it's like and then they all lived happily ever after. Like I don't think it was that either. Because of what you've already seen of these characters, like, the darkness inside of them, like, you know what they're going to carry with them. Yeah. So it's like, even though Dale got to move away and move to the West Coast and, like, remember his daughters, like, he was still going to have to live with the fact that both of his daughters passed away. Right. And both in a horrific way. Right. And that his marriage is... he was helpless and his marriage was over. And, you know, like, Ig's parents are going to have to still live with the fact that, like, they lost a son and, like, their other son is not going to be doing exactly what they kind of, like, prepped him and conditioned him to do. to do, yeah. He's still going to do music. He's still going to do it on his own. But Terry even says, like, 
eventually I'll get back into music, but he has to take a break from it. He's like, he's like, I can't be around it. Like, it just doesn't mean the same to me right now. And he's like, I'll get back there, but it'll be like on his level, not on On his terms. Yeah. What he was like really pressured to be. And then like, even all of the other characters, like Heidi, Marin's mom, you never really meet her. She's only really talked about. Right. But even her, like, you know that she's going to continue to suffer because she will never be able to look past it. And she will always live that half-life of everything. So it's, it's like, perfect ending, but it's, like, imperfect in the perfection. I feel like the only way that it's a perfect ending is how Ig and Marin are together. This couple, these children, they were meant to be together from the sen- since mm-hmm. they were 15 years old. And then 10 years later, that was cut abruptly for them. Yeah. And it was going to, it was either from her murder or from illness. Right. And so it was going to be cut no matter what. It was going to be cut no matter what. So, like, for them, this was like kind of a perfect ending for them because yeah. they get to be together with each other. Right. I mean, it's like beauty and the tragedy of it all because they yeah. were never they were never going to be able to live their life out. They weren't going to grow old together in an earthly way. Yeah. So it's it's the best way for both of them to be able to still yeah. live on together. Definitely. I mean, there's so many things that we didn't even get into because <laughs> I mean we didn't so even much. get it. We didn't even get to talk about the treehouse. So you guys have to go read the book so you know what the treehouse tree is all about. Is. Which is because kind of the treehouse and, and cool. Oh the my gosh! Time. Yeah, like the way it ties in, and <laughs> it's kind of where Ig and Marin like run off to and end up like living living happily ever after. And yeah, I I will definitely say like again like halfway through the book, I'm like Sheila, why are you picking this book? But <laughs> there's a lot like the way it ends. It ends very unexpectedly beautiful yes it's it's ends in a very beautiful way in a lot of like crude tragedy crude yes and but then at the same time like the thing that I like about it and I think the thing that makes us all like that both of us so intrigued with like true crime and everything is that it just forces you to look at the dark side of life. And Mm -hmm. that was one of the things that was like so weird to me about this book is it's like, it made me think about like my dark sides. And it's like, what, like if this was me, like how would I feel about certain things or like, how would I handle this situation? And like I was telling Sheila, there was a part that like really tripped me out in the book because it was like, like, it was very much, like, real-life connection Yeah. with my ex-fiance and I, and I was just like, that is so trippy to me, and <laughs> so it just made me think about that stuff, too, like, and it made me remember stuff, too, like, yeah. you know, like, at what point do you realize, like, this is where we need to move on, or, like, this is where I'm right. done, or how many times have you missed? judged a statement or a comment or something or how many times have you thought badly of one person and what if that bad thought of that one person was literally broadcast out of your control 
to that person. So it was just, it made you very much question, like, what would it be like if I was in that situation? And what would I, how would I be able to handle this power? And so it was, it was definitely one of those surprising books where it was, I never really want, like, this is going to sound really weird to say, but it's not like a throwaway novel. It's not a throwaway book where you're going to read it and, like, forget it. It's, there's, like, pieces of it that you're just going to be like, oh, like. You're going to mull over it and think about it. Yeah. Even if it doesn't, like, change your life and make you be better, there's going to be a moment where a couple days after you finished it, there's going to be a couple times where you're just, like, still thinking about it. Like, man, that part was so good. Or, like, man, like that guy's such a creep right so Josie would you suggest this book (laughs) I would suggest this book yeah I do think you have to I think you have to be a certain this has to be a certain type of thing that you would normally read right does that make sense like yeah absolutely that's I like I was just about to say like I would read this I would not be able to suggest this to everybody yeah it's not like, if, if your genre is not, this isn't really horror, but. Um, um I would say, like, uh, intense. Intense. I mean, murder, there is murder, there's thriller. mystery, there's, you know. It's, I mean, I would, I would say it's kind of a dramatic, thrill, like, dramatic. thriller, it's, almost. It's yeah. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it, like, a horror book. It would be, like, a psycho thriller. Yeah, psych- yeah, I think that's a good a good way as a or like a um, dramatic yeah um, thriller. Oh, here I guess huh. I could I could read stuff for you. So read from the, the New York Times bestselling author Heart Shaped Box because that's another book he wrote and N O S four A two another one of his a relentless supernatural thriller. That's what we should call it a supernatural thriller. I feel like that definitely fits. You have some supernatural things that happen. Supernatural, yeah, definitely. And there's some thrills. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, there's so like. There's highs, there's lows. You're on a roller coaster of emotion. It's all over. But yeah, I would yeah. definitely, if I know this is something that you're interested in, which I kind of knew you were. <laughs> um, but you I think you read I'm most. a psycho devil. No, I, I mean, you I read mean, those is, things anyways. You're kind of like me, you'll read a lot of stuff. Yeah, I read a big, I read a bunch of different genres. I read a bunch of different things. I'm not usually phased by a lot of stuff, but the, I will say, like, I feel like books like this I usually find on my own. They're not usually suggested to me. So it was kind of funny to kind of be like, oh, yeah, this was suggested. Oh, I why just, was this suggested? I just think it's funny that earlier you were like... She was, like, more dark and twisted than I am. And I'm like... No, I'm not. It's fine. What? <laughs> you just said that I'm... <laughs> I thought it was funny. I'm not. You're very dark and twisted. Actually, like, this this kind of goes into a book series that I'm halfway through. And it's uh, by Dean Koontz, actually. Oh. Another, like, really popular. But there's a book called... Uh, it's a five-book series called Frankenstein. And it's kind of like a modern day Frankenstein. And it's this doctor who kind of like starts inserting cyborgs into everything. But there's some parts in that where I'm like, this is really freaking nuts. Why am I reading this? But then I'm like, I mean, but what's going to happen? Page turn, page turn, page turn. (laughs) 
Yeah, so I would definitely recommend this. Um, I would, and I would, I would definitely have to say it's going to depend on who I recommend it to. Yeah, it's definitely, I don't think it's for everybody. Yeah, um, and if somebody was like, I would say, looking, yeah. If you like Stephen King and some of those other supernatural yeah. thrillers, um, scary-ish type books, yeah. you would like this. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. All right. Sheila, what have you pulled from your bookshelf? Well, we just talked about this on the, um, our summer reading list. I know. For us, this was just talked about it. Yeah. (laughs) But for all of you, that was, that's two months ago. (laughs) <laughs> have you accomplished I, anything from your summer reading list <laughs> i have well i finished horns obviously yeah um i think when we did the um the summer reading list i said i was reading see no more i have finished mm-hmm. that okay and that was a kindle unlimited and it had like this big twist in it that like most of it, i was like okay this goes this goes and then there's this like big twist that I totally Mm -hmm. did not see coming it like I was like whoa where did that come from like out of left field it was it was just like I wasn't expecting it and then I'm currently listening to Hocus Pocus and the all-new sequel because I'm doing a lot of work at our rental home and so I'm listening to it (laughs) um my only problem with it is it's good so far I'm enjoying it but Apparently, I got, like, a bad audio copy or something, Mm. because, like, at the beginning of every chapter, like, I'm missing a word or two, or maybe more. I'm not really sure, but I'm like, what the heck was just said? (laughs) (laughs) And so then it makes me think I'm missing more of the story than I really am. So, but so far, I'm really enjoying that book, and now I'm like, oh, I need to, I do not have Hocus Pocus, like, on DVD or anything like that so I'm like I should probably go find it or at least get a digital copy off of Amazon or something so yeah I can watch it yeah it's one of my faves yeah I basically watch it the entire month of October so (laughs) when you guys are listening to this I'll be watching Hocus Pocus Pocus. (laughs) well and I suggest if you get a chance read it I think it's one of the Disney ones kind of like the um Part of your world that we read. It's, I yeah. think it's similar to that, like, kind of how they're kind of doing stuff like that. So so it is kind of for, like, you know, the, the teen genre. But I feel like it, it's written better than the part of your world. Okay. I, it doesn't, it okay. doesn't feel too juvenile. But maybe that's because I know. Or maybe it's because I know the story. But maybe it just yeah. really is just written better. I, I just feel like it's written better. I don't know, though. But another book I'm reading is I'm reading the first book of the Witches Win series. Oh. I've finally, like, I've started it, and then, like, yeah, like, <laughs> You're things. finally reading it. <laughs> and so, I don't, I don't know. I'm probably about 20 or 35, 25 to 35% into it. Yeah. So, okay. But I'm yeah. enjoying it. Her quirkiness. Good. So... But yeah, what about you? What's on? What have you pulled from your bookshelf? Um, I am halfway through an audiobook called "The Only Woman in the Room." <laughs> this is about a woman who grew up in Austria. She was an actress, 
and she starts dating this admirer and it's right before the Nazis take over Austria. And so, and she ends up finding out that she, like her family's Jewish. She like, they were like, yeah, of course we are. Like, obviously everybody in this town is Jewish, but it's like, they weren't practicing. They didn't know anything. So she doesn't, she's like, didn't know to really identify as that. And she ends up marrying like this, person who's like actually like a big leader and like trying to work with being an ally to Germany. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting. So I did do that, but I did also find some really good books that I'm excited about for audible. And one of them is from Frederick Backman and he's the one who wrote a man called Uwe that we that we viewed last season and it's my grandmother asked me to tell you she's sorry mm. oh I remember so reading that I, that was one of his yeah, yeah I downloaded that so I'm excited to get that and then a book that I've been seeing pop up a lot is Daisy Jones and the Six a novel so I'm excited to listen mm. to that also and then I'm halfway through the eighth which is win series I finished Good Omens, and then I watched the series on Amazon, and it was great. Mm -hmm. And I actually just started the book The Witches. 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 And it's about the Salem. I know. I'm, like, in a witchy spot. You're witchy. You're a witchy. I'm very very much feeling October in August. But I'm I'm very much feeling fall in October. But it's about the Salem Witch Trials and stuff like that. So I'm excited about that. You should get that hat that keeps popping up in my feed that I showed you a picture of. Since you're kind of witchy right now. No, for you. For you. (laughs) Because you're witchy. You're witchy. Don't call me witchy. witchy. You're witchy. We're both witchy. Yeah, we are. I'm just glad to be on this dark and twisted path with you. Thank you. Oh, my gosh, Sheila, you're going to kill me. I don't have a book picked out yet for next month. <laughs> oh, my God, Josie. I was actually going to message you earlier today and be like, don't forget to have your book ready. But the problem is, is I have, like, four books I want to pick. You have issues. I know. We both have issues. Make a decision. Now. Wait, right now? Oh, my God. <laughs> No, that's okay. You don't have to make no. a forced decision unless you really want to. I'll make a forced pressure. Decision. Does, does pressure work on you? Do it. Do well, it. I actually, okay. this is a book that you and I, ha- I've actually been like, I think I kind of want to do this book. Mm. Um, so now that you're forcing me to pick, we're picking it. Only it's if kinda- you want to. I it's mean, November. I did- so you're doing November. I am doing November. I don't know if that makes a difference for you. Um, I I feel like it should, but it probably doesn't. (laughs) Well, okay. We're making the decision right now. Do you want to go? Do you want to go true classic? Oh. Or do you want to go with something that feels maybe a little classic, but has recently been written oh that's a hard decision i don't know 
I could do either. The USA, the second one was a number one New York Times bestseller, and it says eerie and fascinating. And then the other one is like a true classic. I kind of like eerie and fascinating. I don't know why, but I like it. You're such a weirdo. See, this is why I call you dark and twisty. <laughs> okay. I've I actually have thought about this book a couple times for us to pick out and I've always gone against it because I feel like it's just never fit well in everything. So this is what we're going to be reading. <laughs> you guys are hearing it here first, including myself. <laughs> We are going to read The Thirteenth Tale by Diane Setterfield. I feel like either that's on my list or I feel like I've read part of it or... I definitely talked to you about this book. uh, It's definitely been on my radar and I can't remember where my radar is at on this right now, but... You will be able to find... If anybody is a Kindle Unlimited subscriber, you will be able to find this on Kindle Unlimited. Oh, Yay! You know, I'm doing what I can for all of us. (laughs) To save money, apparently. No, that's not why I picked this book. I just thought it'd be... It looks really good. So I'm excited to read this. So, The 13th Tale. 13th Tale, everybody. Kindle Unlimited, if you have Kindle Unlimited. Or go support your local bookstore. Go support your local bookstore. Yeah. These bookstores are awesome. (laughs) Yes. Definitely. All right. So the Thirteenth Tale is our next book. Mm-hmm. Horns was great, and Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Have a safe, spooky holiday. Yeah. Enjoy Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Enjoy Witches Brew. We're all we're getting super witchy in fall already. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, like I and love the summer, and I want it to last a little bit longer, but I love the fall. So yeah, I hear you. Not ready for it, but I'm excited for it. Yeah. Dash starts school next week. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> like, I'm ready, but I'm not I ready. I mean, yeah. I understand that. So. Um, um, okay, so email us suggestions or mm-hmm. thoughts at potheadswhoread at gmail.com. You can find us on all of the big listening um device or devices platforms Platform. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on every listening device no that's not true on all the big platforms <laughs> that you guys all know and love itunes google play or is it google podcast now or did they change it google, google play or play play music music play google play music i don't i don't know. whatever they turn it to i don't have an android i thought you would know because you had an android well i have it set up <laughs> so i heard being spotify rate and review us also play music play music that's what it is play music now so yeah yeah i think that's everything thank you for reading with us and go crack a book open bye bye